Father, we thank You for this time. And Lord, we thank You for the blessings that we've received as a church and uh, as individuals. And God, I pray this morning that You would just speak to our hearts, that You would give us understanding and clarity to Your Word. And Lord, I pray that You would be praised and glorified through this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Great to be with you today. So some of you hopefully get to Colorado sometime. It's a great place to come and visit. Look me up. And uh, But anyway, I'm glad to be in your church family today. And I want to start out with kind of a question. If I had a chance to talk with you personally, and, and I asked you the following question, I'd like you to think in your mind how you would answer it. Uh, if I said, what are some major financial goals you have in your life right now? And what's something you'd really like to accomplish in the next several years? Uh, or maybe even the next month or next year? But what, probably there'd be something that would surface in your mind and probably go along the path typically of, gee, I'd like to pay off credit card bills or I'd like to have my cars paid off. Some might say, well, I really love my, have my home paid off, which is a great goal to have. Uh, others might make it real simple and say, gee, I just want a new car, or I just want my car fixed, or I want a new cell phone, or I want a new flat screen TV. I mean, you'd come up with something. And, and as I would chat with you, you know, you'd probably come up with a number of things, but the reality is, is if I interviewed a hundred of you, probably not a lot of you would say, well, what I want is I want to be more generous. I, I just want to be a, more of a giver. I just want to, I want to be used by God to really be a blessing financially to others and to His work. It just kind of wouldn't even be on most people's radar screen. It just wouldn't even come up in the conversation. And yet we have a Heavenly Father who has a heart for you. And one of His hearts for you is that you in your life would mature and grow and, and that you would become a grateful person whatever the circumstances of your life are, that you would become a generous person. I mean, it's like with our own children. I mean, one of our desires for our children is that they would grow up and that they would learn to share. You know, I had a three-year-old at my at his birthday party one time, and, and he got all upset because everybody was playing with all of his toys. And he literally went around and grabbed all the toys out of their hands and was holding on to them so that nobody could play. So we had ten little boys crying and him trying to hold on to all of his toys. Some adults have never gotten out of that mode, by the way. Mine, 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 mine. You know, and so as a dad, I'm like, gee, we need to help that kid share. Today he's one of my most generous children, which I'm, I'm excited about. But, but it was a journey. So it was a journey for Jeremy and it's a journey for you and me. Nobody, no one is born generous. Nobody is born again generous. Generosity is something you learn. It's something part of your spiritual journey. Every one of you here is on a generosity journey. There's things God's wanting to do, whether you're a teenager or a young child, uh, or whether you're in your 80s. God has you on a journey. The Bible says excel in the grace of giving. It means God's supernatural activity on our life. We, we never arrive. We're always learning. We're always growing. That's His desire for us as our Heavenly Father. So what I want to do today is I'd like you to take this, this little sheet. This is for you to keep. This isn't to turn in or anything. This is, this is my best shot at helping you understand what does it take to live a generous life. I've had the privilege of speaking across America, 35 countries around the world, to leaders in 100 countries. And, and I've traveled and met many people. And when I think of the generous people, and it has nothing to do with income, 
Nothing to do with income. Let me say it. Some of those generous people I know make $10 a month. They have these seven S's, these seven ways that are part of their life's journey that got them to a place that they're generous. So I'd like to share them with you in a way with my hoping that they would impact you, that you would suddenly have a framework in which to think about this whole idea of living open-handed in a tight-fisted world. Number one is this whole idea of submitting yourself and all you have to the Lord. Submitting yourself and all you have to the Lord. That's step one. It's nothing to do with money or stuff. It has everything to do with God and you. But it's, it's that you come to a place and you say, God, all I am and all I can ever be, it's because of you. And God, all I have and all I ever will have, Lord, that comes from you. And when you do that, life begins to truly change. When you, when you really come to the understanding that God is the owner of every single thing in your life and your life, then you become the steward, the manager of what he entrusts to you. The Corinthians were, the Macedonians were people that did the second Corinthians eight. Look at this is interesting. If you look at it mathematically, this doesn't make sense. It says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, just take that for a second. Severe trial, you know, plus extreme poverty. And they had this overflowing joy? Wow. I, I had a wife who had an eight-year cancer journey. She went home to be with the Lord last year. And what, I, what we would tell people is, is she had the big C in her life, which was Christ. Cancer was a small C. And my wife lived a cancer journey filled with joy. Joy. She had that. Severe trial, overflowing joy. Extreme poverty. And it welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing it in the service to the saints. You see, generosity and giving, it's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. You see, the Macedonians, in the midst of their poverty, in the midst of their trials, they said, God, all we have and all we are, it belongs to you. You are our God. That's step one. And if you haven't made that step, that's the most important step you could ever make. Nothing will make sense without making that first step. Number two, study the scriptures on finances and generosity. Most people don't realize it, but there's over 2,000 verses in the Bible on finances material possessions, generosity, helping the poor, all of that. Most Christians are ignorant what they are. And so what do you have to do? You'll never learn those verses accidentally. You will only learn them intentionally. And so you must do something in your life to intentionally expose yourself to the Word of God on this subject. I wrote a little book a few years ago. It's called 40 Days Spiritual Journey to a More Generous Life. This is also available online. For a free, as a free email comes to you for 40 days in a row. It's called givewithjoy.org. But anyway, uh, the story behind this little booklet is a fellow that called me one day and he was a very, very wealthy individual and he gave away a lot of income. 
And uh, he called me and he said, Brian, I need your help. And I said, sure, Hugh, I'd love to help you. And uh, and so uh, he said, uh, I, I need you to uh, find the verses in the Bible that talk about that we should be generous people. And I said, well, what, why? He said, well, I tell people they should be generous. And they look at me like I'm nuts. And, and, and they always say to me, why? And he said, I tell them because the Bible says so. And they always look at me and say, well, where? And he goes, I don't know where it is, but I think you could find it. <laughs> so I spent probably six weeks and found 400 Bible verses. I found the where. And he goes, well, I want to make it in a little book, and I want to be able to have it in my briefcase, and I want to be able to give it to people and say, well, here, read this. <laughs> so that's we did that. So I made it for Hugh. And then I, I gave it to my church family one time. And people were like, wow, this is so helpful. As a couple, we never had figured this area of our life out. And now we're, we're excited and we're, 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 we're giving like we've never given before. And it's really cool. And so I thought that was great. And, and, and some wonderful things happened. And so I took it to publishers and, and I said, would, would they publish it? And they all, seven publishers said, no, nobody wants to be generous. <laughs> Money management, get out of debt, invest wisely. Nobody will ever want this. And so I came back to my wife, and uh, and she said, what are we going to do? I said, well, we got some inheritance money. We could take it and make this little book. She goes, well, what else would we do with the money? I said, we could put it in the stock market. I'm really glad I did not put that money in the stock market, okay? We put it in this little book, and someone said, well, no one will ever buy it. You'll never, you'll, 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 you'll never get rid of them because we ordered 15,000 copies. Some guy says, you'll have those in the garage the rest of your life. Your kids will have it in their garage the rest of their life. That was 450,000 copies ago. That was 40 foreign languages ago. This is going in countries all over the world. Why? Because people need the Word of God on finances and generosity. And so it's going out. Group like Crown Financial Ministries is a great resource. Your church used to offer that. This fall, they're going to have compass classes. Compass classes will get you into God's Word on this subject. And you know what? Even in my own life, I grew up materialistic and wanting, and I was a taker. And when I became a Christian at the age of 21, and then I'm like, my finances are so screwed up. I don't even know how to think about money, think about stuff. And then I uh, got some tapes by Larry Burkett years ago. And I listen to it, and I'm like, wow, the way, the way the Bible teaches on this and the way I live are different. I think I'm going to go with the way the Bible does it, because the way I'm doing it isn't working. And so I gave up my ways and began to do God's ways, and His ways are sweeter and better. But you have to be intentional. Psalm 119, 105, God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful truth, because it lights up the darkness that we live in. A lot of couples argue over finances. Why? Because they're coming at it from their own perspective or their parents' perspective. And you know what you, you have to do is you have to move away from that and move to God's perspective. And literally together, literally build your life on the Word of God. Number three, see what God has provided. See what God has provided. Another resource I wrote, experience God as your provider. We live in a time where people, uh, uh, life is changing. I do national research. It's called View from the Pew. And in the national research, we ask questions about has your income gone up this year or down, you know, stayed the same or down. We are living in a time in America where more people are seeing their income flatline or decline than ever before in our lifetime. Okay, So it's gotten harder instead of easier for the first time literally in our lifetime as uh, among the 1,500 Christian families we've surveyed. So basically only a third 
a third of the families saw their income go up in the last 12 months. In the previous year, only 27% saw their income go up in the last 12 months. So we're in a different time. And so for years, the books have been about money management, get out of debt, invest wisely. But I said, we're living in a time where it's not about that. I mean, it can include that. But we're in a time where we need to understand who God is. We need to understand God as our provider. And what I like to tell people is, you may work for a company or your organization. They are not your provider. They are your employer. God is your provider. And when we begin to understand that God is our provider, and I believe that giving is a declaration. When we give, that's what we're doing. We're declaring, God, you are my source. You are my provider. When we begin to do that and declare that with our lives, our confidence is not in our company or our pension or our investments or any of that, because that can all go away, as some of you are aware. That can all go away. But when we understand that God is our source and God is our provider, and he's the one that's going to guide us and provide for us, everything changes. And we don't live in fear anymore. We live in faith in God. And so we need to learn to see and understand that God is our provider. Now, he can choose to use a paycheck. He can choose to use a payroll. He can choose to use a company or a pension or an investment. But he's not dependent upon it. He's bigger than all of those things. So if any one of those things goes away, God is not. My church a couple years ago, they commissioned me to become a generosity minister at large to the body of Christ around the world. Uh, some guy from Texas says, in Texas we call that, Brian, big hat, no cattle. Okay, big title, you got nothing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> big hat, no cattle, that's what you got. And when I, they called me to that, they made me a dollar a year employee. So I was a dollar a year employee with my church plus health care because of my wife's cancer journey. All right, dollar a year employee. Now, after they had the vote, a guy came up to me and said, Brian, I don't want you to worry about money this year. He said, you've got three teenagers, you've got a wife, you've got this ministry. I want to fully fund your ministry for the entire year. He then proceeded to give me the dollar. <laughs> so I'm fully funded, okay? <laughs> he has not covered me the second year yet. I'm still waiting for that dollar. But anyway, but here's what I'll tell you. God has been my provider. How do I know? Because 1 Corinthians 16.2 talks about in the first day of each week, we are supposed to give to the Lord, set aside resources to give based on his provisions. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside some money in keeping with his income. That word really is, in some translations, is never used income. It means God's financial provisions, which is bigger than a paycheck. So in my family, what we do is I write down the provisions of God. Week by week, by week by week, how did God provide for us this week? What did God do this week? How did, what, did, what happened in our lives? And I literally write down the provisions of God, learning to see what God has done. So some of the things written down here uh, was someone ordered uh, from New Zealand, ordered some of my materials, $1,400. I wrote that down. Uh, one day there was a garage sale uh, at the neighbors next door. It was the end of the day. They came and knocked on my door. They said, hey, Brian, could you come over and look at our garage sale? got a lot of stuff. We haven't gotten rid of it, and you can have anything you want. And I went over there, and uh, they had 12 really nice shirts. This is one of them, actually. And uh, and they just said, you can have them. <laughs> you know, this is a nicer shirt than I would have bought. This is a, you know, I don't remember the the name. I couldn't even read it. So, I mean, the designer designer label, not one I would have ever bought. But, uh, but the Lord provided 12 shirts. I was walking away, and they had two leather chairs. I said, what do you want for those? And they said, $15 a piece. You know, and and, uh, and some of you might say, well, lucky you. No, it wasn't lucky me. It was God provided. God provided 12, church, 12 shirts. God provided two leather chairs. I was going to Minneapolis with my family. We were going to stay at a hotel. I called some friends, 
And uh, I said, hey, we're in town, love to see you, or we're coming to town, love to see you. And they said, where are you staying? I said, we're, we're going to stay at a hotel. Absolutely not. You're not going to stay at a hotel when you're in our town. Come and stay with us. And we stayed with them for whatever, three, four nights. And, uh, and God provided. We then, uh, we went, I, t- I took this family out to dinner. We went out to dinner and I was in a treat for dinner just to thank them for hosting us. And when the bill came, or when I asked for the bill, they said it was already taken care of. God provided. My son came to me one day and said, Dad, I need tires for my Tahoe. And I said, Josh, uh, tires are a lot of money for your Tahoe. Yeah, but I need them. I said, okay, let's pray. Pray? No, don't need to pray. We need to go get tires. <laughs> I'm like, Josh, I don't, you know, $700, that's a lot of money. What do you mean pray? I said, I'm going to ask God for tires. So here's how you do it. You ask God for tires and then you go to Craigslist. <laughs> okay. So, so I ask God for tires. It's biblical. <laughs> Proverbs 13.22, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. On Craigslist. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 2.26, to the man who pleases God, God gives knowledge, wisdom, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives a task of gathering, storing up wealth, to hand it over to the one who pleases God. On Craigslist. Or eBay or whatever else. So anyway, so I, I go to Craigslist, and his exact tires, exact tires, we got up for uh, $80. Four tires that fit his top. God provided. I needed to get my get my roof fixed. For three years, I kept saying, bite the bullet, $5,000, you know. Man, I need to fix that roof. Man, I need to fix that roof. $5,000. One day we got a hailstorm. You ever get those around here? <laughs> and uh, a hailstorm came through, and guess what? Called insurance company. Said, oh, yeah, you have damage. We'll pay for that. And you said, well, that was an insurance claim. No, that was a God provided. Because for three years, I kept thinking I had to take it out of my pocket. And God provided. And, uh, and when you learn to live like this, when you learn to understand that God is your provider, it makes life fun. It's exciting to see how you'll do it. He might do it through your income. He might do it through a blessing. He, might, he can do it any way He wants. He's the owner of all things. But I'm not a prosperity gospel. I'm not a, I don't buy into the name and claim it, blab it, grab it, the greed-based theology. That's not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying is we can understand that God takes care of our needs. I don't think He's excited about our greeds. But He takes care of us. And He can do it in so many, many different ways. But here's the thing that most people would, even if they did happen to think of the blessings and say, thank you, God, the, that verse in Corinthians talks about set aside to give based off of the provisions of God. Based off of the provisions of God. So in the Kluth family, we write down all the blessings and all the provisions, and then we monetize it, and then we give a thank offering to the Lord. We say, God, thank you. Thank you for those Tahoe tires. Thank you for that, that hotel I would have stayed in would have cost, you know, whatever, 300 some dollars. Thank you, Lord, to give an offering to somebody in Africa. Lord, thank you for those, those shirts that I, you know, I'd eventually bought 12 shirts somewhere, somehow. God, thank you. And we give an offering to the Lord. Thank you for the $5,000 insurance claim. And we, so we gave $500 to somewhere to somebody. You say, well, no, that was an insurance claim. You know, no, no, that was a provision of God. And I was ready to spend $5,000. And in God's grace, there was an insurance claim. And the insurance company wrote me a check for five thousand. And so, yeah, my 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 thing did cost me five hundred. But it was it, I'm looking for reasons to be a giver. I want to thank God for what He's done. I want to thank Him for His grace in my life. So, learning to see what God has provided, and the next principle is learn to set aside resources. And this is the number one 
I don't want to call it a mistake. It's the number one omission that most Christians don't understand or don't practice. And this, if you don't do this, you'll be tight-fisted all your life. Because here's the deal. If you just kind of have your resources in your life, and then you'll have opportunities to give to church or to a ministry or to a missionary or a project or a person in need or whatever, oh, it's always going to feel you're going to feel tight-fisted because you're like, well, I have my financial needs and I have my goals and I have things we're trying to do. And as long as you're just kind of commingling what you're going to give with and what you're going to live with, you're always going to feel a little tight, a little tense when it comes to this idea of giving. But here's the secret. Here's a really cool secret. If you learn to say, God, thank you for your provisions that have come into my life and you set aside resources to give even if you don't know where they're all going. But you set it up in the bookkeeping account. You set it up as a system. You do something to say, this is the money we're going to live on, and this is the money we're going to give on. If you set it aside, if you if you throw up a wall and you throw over God's resources on the other side of the wall, here's what happens is God will show you where he wants you to give it. But if you don't learn to separate, if you don't learn to make it a separate thing, you're always going to feel tight-fisted. You're always going to feel hard-hearted. There's always going to be some kind of angst when it comes to giving because you've not learned to set aside as holy unto the Lord those resources you're going to give it. But when you do do that, you'll be amazed. You'll give $50, you give $100, you give $500, you get to a place you could give $5,000, and you'll do it with joy, you'll do it with excitement, you'll, do, you'll be thrilled to do it, it won't even, you won't even think about it. It'll just be, wow, because you set it aside. And now it's just God then showed you where he wants you to give it. And it's a really, really cool thing to do. But most of us are tight-fisted. You know, have you ever heard the story about $100 bills and $1 bills, what happens to them? Or, I mean, any currency in America, they, they actually burn it up. They burn currency up in America when it gets used up. Well, one, day, one day on the way to the incinerator, the $100 bill started talking to the $1 bill. And uh, and the hundred dollar bill said, "Hey, little one dollar bill, how's life for you? You know." And the one dollar bill, you know, I don't know. And what about you, hundred dollar bill? And he goes, "Well, it's pretty nice. Hey, nice restaurants, you know, Dallas football games, uh, you know, uh, uh, good clothes, uh, nice vacations, nice house, nice nice car. I've gone lots of great places. How about you, little one dollar bill? <laughs> All I ever do is go to church, go to church, go to church." <laughs> $100 bill said, what's a church? <laughs> Never been in a church. You know, because people are so tight-fisted. I remember when I first became a Christian and I, God prompted me to, to give and I was scared to death to give because I only had a $20 in my, $20 in my wallet and I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I, I wondered if I could you know, put in 20 and take out change. I was so scared. I thought it would take a long time to count all those ones, you know. And... Um, and anyway, this, this, this idea of if you really want to be generous, the simple practice of setting aside resources will free you up to be more generous than you could ever, ever imagine. And it is really cool. So in my own life's journey, I, I give constantly throughout the year, but I always reconcile my accounts. And every year, the last week, I'm still giving away literally thousands of dollars. Because Why? Because I've set it aside. I had a plan to set it aside. I had a plan to see what God provided. I had a plan to set it aside. And I had a plan to give with. And if you do that, it's really exciting. Uh, number five, systematically give 
your time and 10% or more of God's provisions and financial blessings. Let me just talk for a few minutes on the idea of 10%. In this room or in, the, in any church, there are those in this room that are doing this. It's, 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 it's as real as waking up. It's been part of their life. It's been part of their finances. It's been part of their lifestyle. And it's just, it's just what they do. And somewhere in their life, and they could probably tell you when, uh, for me, I was about 23 when I made the decision I'm going to start giving at least 10% or more. But so that, that person has become part of their life. And they could probably tell you when it started. And so it's, it's normal. Now for anybody that's not doing that, the pure thought of it is totally abnormal. It's like, are you crazy? You know, it's like, we're not making it now. That'll only make things worse. Because the average person, you can use theology arguments on this, practical arguments, money arguments. But those that aren't doing it, 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 the bottom line of it really comes down to, as I've worked with people, the bottom line comes down to kind of, uh, uh, again, a math thing. It's fear thing. It's like there's kind of this thought that, wait a second, Brian, you know, we're, we're not making it now. Or we're just making it. If we give, we will have less. And that won't work, right? If I'm just making it or not making it and I give, it won't work. So I'm off the hook for, you know, for whatever. It just won't work. It's just crazy, okay? I understand crazy. When I faced that decision whether to give 10% or not, uh, and, and I realized that it was the starting blocks, not the finish line. I realized it wasn't something I was going to get to someday. I realized I was going to have to just start. But when I was going to start, I had more month than I had money. I had a, I remember very clearly I had a little tiny paycheck I had just gotten. I had an empty checkbook and a big pile of bills. And God's saying, will you give to me first? I'm like, are you kidding? Look at the craziness. This won't work. Brian, will you trust me? <laughs> to get to heaven, but this, this is in heaven. We're, we're talking about this. <laughs> you know? And I just said, okay, God, God, I don't understand it. I, I made a, what I call a Jacob decision. Genesis 28, 20, he made a decision kind of like this. I think that'll pop up here. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, it will give me food to eat and clothes to wear and a good cell phone plan and health care and a, oh, I'm sorry, uh, so that I return safely to my father's house and the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you, my provider, God, Give me, I will give you a tenth. He made this decision when he had nothing. The easiest point in time to make a decision to be a giver is when you have nothing. <laughs> and he made it. Some of you have less than nothing. You know, you have bills. You can't pay all that. I understand that. I, I had less than nothing. I had bills I couldn't pay. But I said, okay, God, I don't understand this. Uh, scares me half to death. Uh, but I'm going to start. I, I'm going to start. And what I discovered is giving 10% is like training wheels on a bicycle. When you're a little kid, you're trying to work with your grandkids or your children. You know, you put them on, on a bicycle, training wheels, and they, they're a little wobbly, but they kind of, you know, you run, run beside them, you know, and, uh, and you get them going, and ultimately the training wheels get taken off, and they, they do fine. The Bible says in Malachi that this idea of giving 10% or more, because it talks about tithes and offerings, doing this is the only thing in the Bible we can test God in. It's the only time God says, okay, bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on. I'm big enough. I'm strong enough for this test. You begin. You don't understand it. I was in Africa and a guy said, Brian, 
he said this idea of giving to God, he says in Africa, he said what this is like is he said when our children are two or three years old, we take them into the jungle, we put them up in a tree branch, and then we come down under the branch and we tell the kids to jump. And the kids will all be holding onto that branch and say, but daddy, I'm scared. Daddy, I'm afraid. And they'll say, look at me. Listen to me. I'm big enough. I'm strong enough. Daddy will catch you. But daddy, what if you don't catch? No. Look at me. I'm big enough. I'm strong enough. Daddy will catch you. And finally that child, scared out of them, <laughs> will push off from that tree, fall into that father's arms. The father catches them. And what does the child say? Daddy, let's do it again. <laughs> and God leans out of heaven and says, He's big enough. He's strong enough. You don't understand it. He knows you're afraid. But He said, push off. Let me show myself as God to you. But here's what I discovered, what it looks like. Because sometimes people are, well, I gave to God and I looked in the mail and nothing happened. Okay. Generosity is God's crazy math. When you give to God, you don't have less. You have more. But here's what you have more of. What I discovered is when I began to give to God, even when I had more month than I had money, um, I began to have more wisdom than I had before. I was so dumb with my money. Okay. And I, I stopped doing some of the dumb stuff. So God gave me more wisdom than I had before. Another thing I discovered is I had more contentment than I had before. Before I'd want everything I saw I wanted. And suddenly when I began to be a giver, it's like, I'm thankful for what I have. I don't need everything else. And I began to have more contentment. I began to, to have more courage. I, I had a car that I loved the car, but the truth was I really couldn't afford it. And so I had more car than I could afford. And, and you know, I couldn't afford the gas. I couldn't afford the insurance. I couldn't afford the payment. And God gave me the grace and the courage to say, sell your car. And I, and I sold my car. Because I got grace. I got courage that I didn't have before. And so when you, when you learn to be a giver, there's more. There's more of God. What you're doing is you're inviting God into your finances, even if it's a mess. Even if it's a mess. He's a master of cleaning up messes. But, he, but he's not a magic genie. You know, he's somebody who'll give you wisdom. He'll give you guidance. He'll give you contentment. He'll give you peace. He'll stretch your resources. He'll bring provisions into your life. And you'll see and experience God more intimately. In very real and tangible ways. So learning to be a systematic giver. Vital, vital step in your spiritual journey. Number six, spontaneously give as the Lord leads you. Spontaneously give as the Lord leads you. Systematic giving is something you do with your head. You kind of make a decision. You figure out, okay, we're going to give a tenth or we're going to give more than a tenth. You know, you figure out a percentage, whatever, however you're going to do it. You set up a system, you're doing it, and that's all well and good. And so you say, okay, we're going to support our church, maybe there's an orphan we're going to support, or a missionary, whatever. So you make decisions about where you're going to, where your giving is going to go under the Lord's leadership. But spontaneous giving is different. We're going to look at a verse here. It says this, Exodus 25.2. If you're a Christian long enough, you're going to, there's going to be projects, there's going to be opportunities that come up. There was a building project here in Exodus. It says, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. Now, an offering is different than, than a tithe. Okay, tithe was something systematic, intentional. But an offering was something, it says here, you were to receive the offering for me from each man whose, well, say the word, heart. Heart prompts him to give. Other verses also, other verses also talk about men and women alike brought offerings to the Lord as God prompted their heart. 
very, very different than systematic giving. Here's the deal prompting your heart. You have possessions in your life. You have cars and you have homes and you have furniture and you have clothing and you have stuff and you have toys and you got all kinds of stuff, right? Just stuff. Here's the deal. It's all God's. 100% of it. You're the, you're the temporary possessor of it. You're the enjoyer of it. You're the taker-carer of it. <laughs> you know, it's your, and all of that. But here's the deal. And you may even have bank accounts and all that. It's all God's. So God will just suddenly prompt your heart to give. So you've got something in your possession. Give it. And here's the deal. Sometimes it won't make any sense to your head. You're like, are you serious, God? <laughs> you want me to give that? Yeah, I want you to give that. But, but God, that's mine. No, 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 it's his. You're a temporary, you're a steward of what I've entrusted to you for a season, for a time. So anyway, let me see how this, I'll tell you this fleshes out. This might scare you half to death, but it's a true story. <laughs> okay. I'm having devotions one day, and I feel my heart stirred to give my car away. Give my car away. I had no desire and no intention to give my car away. But I'm like, it was a genuine stirring. And with the stirring came a particular family. The husband's in prison. The wife is a single mom to six little children. And our family, our church family was helping this family. And so I knew a lot of their details about their finances and all of that. And I just knew that they had a car that they weren't, that they couldn't afford to really drive, couldn't afford the gas. And anyway, so... um. So I, I just feel this prompting, but it's not making any sense to me outside of give your car. Because I had a, I had a, a eight-seater eight station wagon, new car, under warranty, high, good gas mileage. I love the car, all of that stuff. Give your car away. So I said to my wife, I said, honey, I said, I think God wants me to give my car away to this family. She says, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> she said, just don't give away my minivan. So that was her, that was her comment to me. I since have given away her minivan. Since she went home to be with the Lord, we gave it to a camp. Uh, anyway, but, uh, so, uh, so I'm talking to my wife and the phone rings. And, uh, the phone's from a guy I never talked to in 20 years. He calls me from Wisconsin. I'm living in Colorado. He worked at the, works at the Christian camp where I used to work years ago. He said, Brian, I, you know, you're pretty good with money and I just need your advice. I said, what's up, Steve? Well, my truck got ruined and I need to get a different truck and people are telling me to trust God for the payments. I said, you know, can you, do you have, can you afford the payments? No, I really can't afford payments. I said, Steve, that would be a couple of problems with this whole uh, conversation, Steve. One is that would violate the principle of surety. You're taking on an obligation without a sure way to pay. And then secondly, I said, you're, you're, you're borrowing for a depreciating item, which is never a good idea. And he said, well, what should I do? I said, well, how about praying about it? Pray about it. I said, yeah, pray, let's ask God for a truck. And, and he goes, are you kidding? I said, no, I'm not. I said, you, you have a need for a truck and legitimate need. And, and so let's, I said, what kind of truck are you looking for? Well, you know, it needs to be four-wheel drive. And, gee, it should be, you know, have a cap on the back. And, I, you know, I'm a fire volunteer fireman. I need my gear and all of this stuff. So I said, let's, let's pray. And so we prayed. I didn't think anything of it. I hung up and kind of went back to the conversation with my wife. And we made a decision to give away the car. So I called this gal. I said, you know, I'm going to bring my title over and my car and the keys. And I'll give it, this car to you. And I'll just take whatever you have. I have no idea what it is, but I'll just drive it away with the title and the keys. So but she was all excited and the kids were excited. So I took the car over there and she gives me the keys and the title. And it was a Suburban. So it was a big Suburban. So 
I'm, and it actually wasn't a bad, it was actually in great shape and stuff, and I'm driving it home, and I'm like, it's nice suburban, but I just had this sense, like, I don't want a suburban. I'm not interested in this car. But all of a sudden, I'm like, I bet you Steve would love this suburban. I mean, this is like what we were praying about. So I'm like, but he's a thousand miles away. And, and so I'm driving it home, and, and my wife, you know, honey, what kind of car do we get? I said, it's a suburban, but it, I don't think it's for us. She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, Steve really needs this car. Well, what are we going to do? You know, I'm like, well, here's the deal. I said, I was supposed to fly to Milwaukee tomorrow for, to preach at a church, and there's a snowstorm coming and uh, overnight, and the Denver airport's going to be shut down in the morning. So if we get in the Suburban right now, if you get the kids ready, we'll go and we'll drive this to Wisconsin, and we'll give this to Steve. So she said, cool. So we, we, we got all the kids out gear. We threw everything in. We beat the snowstorm and we get to, get to Wisconsin and, and Steve's got a suburban, you know? And on the way there, I was, I was, I called Steve and I said, Steve, this, the suburban's nicer than I thought. I was thinking about maybe keeping it. No, oh, that's my car. You better not keep it. You're delivering my car to me. So anyway, so we get there. Well, now I'm without a car. I got my family in Milwaukee. So we were staying with some friends and, and he had lost his job. And they had gotten a new job, and they had and they got a job with a that had a company car, and they were trying to sell their Chrysler. And so we had enough money in the checkbook that I could just write a check, buy his Chrysler, and we drove it back to Colorado. It was a miracle. It was a four-family miracle, but it started because God prompted my heart and said, "Give your car." And I want to live open-handed. I enjoy everything he's given me, but I'm a temporary steward of everything, just as you. And so if he says, give it, give it. Because he can also, he can provide and he can, he can bless you and make you a blessing. Someone said this, uh, Evie Hill, a pastor said, God can get things to you if he can get things through you. <laughs> God can get things to you if he can get things through you. So learning to be a spontaneous giver and number seven, Simplify your life to become more generous. First uh, Timothy 6, we'll look at this verse together. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You know, as Americans, we somehow think, you know, contentment comes from getting everything we want. All of us here have a little bit of a want list. Things that we're ready to buy now or as soon as we've got the money or as soon as we've got the go-ahead or something. Here's the deal. If I gave you all the money, you needed today to go get everything on your list. Okay? I said, just meet me in the back. I'll just give you whatever. You tell me the amount. Here's what will happen. A month from now, or two days from now, you'll have a new list. Contentment doesn't come from getting everything you want. Contentment comes from being thankful for everything you have and sharing it. And once you really begin to understand where true contentment comes from, godliness with contentment is great gain, the Scripture says. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Once you understand where contentment comes from, once you understand where real lasting joy comes from, it comes from God. It comes from living that kind of open-handed life in this world where you are blessed to be a blessing, where God gets things through to you and gets things through you you live incredibly joyful. And here's the deal. You'll begin to want to simplify your lifestyle. Simplify your life. Make changes in your life so that you can be even more generous. 
You can be more free with your time. You can be more free with your energy, more free with your stuff, more free with your finances. When you begin to free things up, recently I preached uh, uh, a week's conference and a lady wrote, said, our, my, our family's life will never be the same. Uh, we heard you. We, we decided to do more for our church, decided to do more for missionaries. Uh, and we said we just went over our budget. And we just freed up another $1,000 a month to give with because we're so excited about wanting to be generous. Randy Alcorn says, sometimes God increases your standard of, sometimes God give, increases your income not to increase your standard of living, but to increase your standard of giving. So many times people get more and they think, well, this is all about me getting more. But I've known so many people, even in my own life, several years ago, my wife and I uh, opened up, we did two checkbooks. This is what we live on and this is what we're going to give on. And we've capped what we're going to get to live on. We said, this is enough. There's a theology of enough. Have you ever answered the question of what's enough? Once, If you can answer the question, what is enough? How much is enough? You can answer that for yourself. You can answer that even for your kids regarding inheritance. How much is enough? If you can answer the question of how much is enough, if you can come to that, and I believe you can do that. Everyone here could do that. If you said, how much is enough under God? How much is enough? And then you said, okay, God, anything over that, you're giving it to us for a divine purpose. And you simplify your lifestyle to live under the theology of enough. And then you say, God, if you give more, then you have reasons. But it's not for us. It's for the kingdom of God. It's for the things of God. It's for the advancements of God's work. Simplify your life to become more generous. Uh, A fellow named Pablito lives in a uh, garbage dump in Manila. On this garbage dump, uh, there are uh, 30,000 people that live there. I visited there. It's a horrible place. The stench is incredibly bad, more than, worse than you can ever imagine. Uh, the fires burn constantly because they are constantly burning the garbage on this dump. Uh, so the smoke rises at all times, day and night. It's kind of like a hell on earth. And people live their life in there scavenging through the garbage. And constantly the dump trucks are coming back and forth you know, with more garbage. Pablito and his family lived in this dump, and Pablito came to know Christ. And, uh, and Jesus changed his life and made him a brand new person on the inside. And, and this article talked about the joy he had as a Christian and his witnessing to his friends and his having a Bible study in his little neighborhood of, of shanties and, uh, and, and, and loving him loving people. And, and he, in the article, he talked about how God had provided for him, and he was so excited because he said the glasses he was wearing, God provided in the dump, and, and the belt he had, the pants he had on, and the belt he had on, God had provided in the dump, and the shoes he was wearing, God had provided in the dump. And, and he was so grateful for the provisions of God and the blessings of God, and, and, uh, and it went on to say what he did for, uh, he collected glass, and he sold the glass, and he made about $10 a month, and and he said he was so blessed with that $10 a month uh, and felt so grateful for God being his provider that he shared half of his income with the poor and the needy in his neighborhood. Now, you and I would say, well, no, you're poor and needy. No, he, he said, no, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed me. He give me glasses. He give me a belt. He give me pants. He's given me a ministry. He's given me people to love. I got a home in heaven. I'm blessed. And Pablito was an open-handed, generous man. In unbelievable circumstances, 
God wants to move in your heart and mine. He's, he's our Heavenly Father, and, and He desires for us that we would be grateful people, that we would be open-handed people, that we would be generous people, and that we would live that life in such a tangible way that others around us are touched and blessed and helped, and God is glorified in our lives. You know, uh, when I get the chance to preach, I'm very, very grateful. But what I tell people is, it's not what I say to you, it's what I leave with you that's going to matter. Okay? I've got some other resources, and you know, i got 35 minutes here, whatever, to, to preach or share, 40 minutes, I guess, uh, which I'm grateful for. But the reality is, is if you're going to go further, there's other, there's other things to go get. I, and here's how this is going to work. I've got resources on the back table over here. This little devotional book, 400 scriptures, 40 biblical principles. Just, you just kind of read through one day, you know, day one, God's the owner of everything in the verses. You just do this as a couple or as a family. I did this with my kids when they were seven, nine, and eleven. Uh, those of you who audio teaching, there's, there's about eight hours of audio teaching that goes along with that book. The Experience God is Your Provider, another book I wrote, trying to help people understand that we live in a day and age when we need to understand that God is our provider. And what does that look like? Uh, and so that's back there. Plus, you know, again, I think five or six hours of audio teaching. Uh, this little bookmark, 12 Keys to Financial Stability. These are biblical keys. If you, if you understand these and follow these, you'll stay out of financial trouble or you'll get out of financial trouble. Uh, there's 50 ways God provides in the back. Anyway, all of that's back there. And here, it's a real simple system. Go take something. Go take something. Let me be a blessing to you. Take something and let God take you further on this journey. Let him help you. Now, if you, can, if you want to leave something, great. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'll thank God for whatever you leave and I'll be part of God's provisions in my life and my ministry. And I'll be thankful for it. But I'm not selling anything. I'm trying to empower you to be the people God wants you to be. I believe he brought me here. Maybe just for you. Maybe just for your journey. To help you understand how he provides, how he cares for us. How he wants you to learn to be open-handed in this tight-fisted world of ours. And uh, and that you would move further in his grace. Uh, Let's go ahead and pray together. And thanks for the privilege of sharing with you. Father, thank you for your kindness. I just thank you for every person here. Thank you for the journey that you have them on. Thank you for your many, many provisions. Uh, Lord, I pray that something I said would have sparked in their hearts a desire to go further and farther than they've ever, ever thought of going before in this area of understanding you as their provider and understanding and living out a generous life as you would empower them to do. Uh, Thank you for the privilege of, of sharing and for the resources I leave for people and that they take home, may you continue to water and bless these seeds of truth that have been put in people's hearts today. In Christ's name, amen.